Hello and welcome to Divided by Brand, the weekly podcast show for entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers. If you want to learn more about branding, hear from industry experts and first-hand accounts about ways that you might find yourself divided by your own business's brand, then this is the show for you. Join me, your host, Dan O'Cook, a brand identity specialist with over 20 years design experience and founder of Vi Design Co. I'm going to talk everything brand, but more specifically, I want to go behind the scenes of real life brand challenges that businesses and individuals have faced that has left them divided in their mind or divided by the people around them. I want you to learn with me exactly what real life brand divides people have faced and by overcoming them, did they help to create success? And don't forget, if you're not sure exactly what your brand is and how strong your brand is performing, then you can take my Brandscape Strength Test. It's designed specifically for anyone who wants to uncover six core areas of their business and how the brand is performing. It's completely free and the links are in the show notes. And I think you'll agree, that's quite enough jazzy intro. Can we just start the show, please? Hello and welcome to this episode of Divided by Brand. I'm your host, Dan O'Cock, and here's what's coming up on today's show. I've got a fantastic guest in the Divided by Brand spotlight today. Her name is Leah Harris, and Leah moved over to New York in 2018, and she describes herself as a musician, entrepreneur, and digital storyteller. Now, when she moved to New York, all she went with was an open mind and a genuine enthusiasm for the hustle. Those are her words. She was really excited to really take advantage of New York's unique opportunities. And she's done just that. Leah actually works full time and we'll kind of ask her what she's busy with at the minute, but she's had a number of side businesses, side hustles that she set up along the way. And one of the biggest side projects for her is her music and songwriting. So I'm going to ask her a little bit more about what's driven her and what makes her tick when it comes to that. But quite importantly, I want to find out what part brand has played. She's got a huge following on Instagram and anyone who goes to check out her Instagram page will see that. So we really want to find out what has made that happen for her and why she does it. What part has brand played in that success? So join me as I speak to Leah on this episode of Divided by Brand. Welcome to the show, Leah. Um, it's fantastic <laughs> to have you on. It seems such a long time ago since we um, actually had a bit of an intro call, and I think it was a virtual conference that we met at. Is that right? Yes, it was, and it was. A, it's been a very interesting year, as you know. So it was. A, it was a pretty good um, virtual conference. I enjoyed it, and it was nice to connect with you. It was. I can't even remember when, remember when that was. So, I mean, one thing I like to do with guests when they come on is for them to give me three wins. I'd really love to hear over the last few weeks, three things that have gone well for you. We like some good news. Oh. Tell me what Tell me what you've been up to. Well, first of all, um, we've been very lucky this year. You know, it's been a nice chance for us to... Uh, my boyfriend and I to just slow things down a little bit and rethink things and strategize. So I think that with everything going on with the pandemic, it's um, there's a lot of positive to be found amongst the negative too. Um, and in the last three weeks specifically, um, you know, I'm a musician, so I found a producer to record my latest single, which I'm really excited about. Nice. And yeah, so that's that's fun. Um, what else? We have a puppy. Um, who we've had for a few months, but he's maturing a little bit, which is always um, always a good thing. And then the third thing I would say is um, I'm here uh, with my boyfriend's family at a beautiful house for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I'm really grateful for those things, especially during the pandemic. So um, 
yeah, it's it's been a it's been a nice three weeks and a, a great year to be honest. So hopefully, hopefully you're feeling the same way. Yeah, and nice to hear some um, and personal wins rather than business wins. Um, some people go for that kind of business focused win, but when you're talking about things like having the puppy going on and these are little rays of mm-hmm. sunshine, I guess are probably the best way to describe them because they are things that go on that people go, you know, you forget that having a puppy brings a really big positive note into your life. <laughs> I think that's the power of this year as well. But if you'd asked me in any other year, I probably would have gone straight for some kind of business win. But I think that's that's what's really happened this year is it changes your perspective. And it's it's good, honestly. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of crazy things happening, but I think that's a healthy shift that a lot of people have gone through this year is just being grateful for for the good things and for the, um, you know, the fundamental things, really. Absolutely. Having family and friends mm-hmm. around. Now- exactly. So I'm keen to find out whereabouts are you in the world right now? Because I think you call New York home. Is that right? Yes, New York has been home for the last almost three years. And New Jersey is where I am right now because that's where my boyfriend's family lives. So ah, it's nice. Right. It's um, it's a great it's a great um, combination because you live in New York and, you know, big city life. And then you go a few hours and you're in the country in this beautiful, relaxing neighborhood. So it's it's been really nice. But New York is where I live. I live in Midtown Manhattan and I work um, I, in the day. I work in um, communications, doing sustainability reporting, not too far from where I live. And then as a musician, it's great to be in Manhattan, too, because even though it's a bit of a different year, there's still there's still things going on and it's nice to be connected with the music industry there. So that was the original music, original reason why I moved to New York was for music. Yeah. And that was actually one of the first questions that I wanted to ask because when we first met at the um, conference um, and I sort of said, look, I think you'd be a really good guest to come on the show and have a chat. And I did a bit of research around what you're involved with and really what I was presented with. And I think anyone who starts Um, looking at any of the links in the show notes or kind of googling your name was it's you as a musician as a songwriter and so I presume that that was what you did full time but I'm pretty far from the truth with that Um, and it's not the case and um, there's a story that I think we could go into but I was reading an article from earlier this year by I don't know if I want to pronounce this right is it Kabir Segal? Yes, yes Kabir. Yeah, and I think his article actually covers um a lot of that really really perfectly so I've decided I'm going to put a, a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Oh, um mm-hmm. but I actually want to just kind of open a few of the doors in and around that because a lot of your story ties into some of my own story um, in that I had um, or still do have a passion project or a sideline project producing art Um, and art was something I grew up being very good at and studied at college Um, and later in life uncovered and was given this gift to draw art digitally and decided that I would try and make some make a living at it and you know things things changed and it sounds like it's similar for you and music. Is that right? Yes. Um, so music, I, I don't know um, how the art world compares, but it's one of those things where I've I've always loved the content of it. I loved the music itself. But when it comes to the business and the other components that make up a career in it, um, it's not always set up to create a positive life or a particularly fair, transparent or empowering life for the artist. So it's always, it's been interesting. And, and you probably read in that article that I ended up doing a bit of work in the tech startup world at one point. And it really, ever since then, especially, I really always wanted to keep music as a part of my life, but I've been finding, trying to find new ways to build around it, you know, rather than doing the pre-paved pathway, which, you know, some, some people it works great, but there are many who aren't particularly happy being professional musicians um, in that box. So, you know, like you were saying with your art, I've, I've always loved it. I've always known it was a passion and, and something that was a good fit for me, but it's been an interesting journey to try to ask, you know, really, what are you really looking for? The whys of what you're doing, you know, how you picture your life day to day when you get older and then trying to really break that down. And sometimes that means using other careers to supplement it. 
And what that article was about with Kabir, because um, he's very impressive in this regard himself, is um, how your different careers or diversified career portfolio, as he calls it, they can help each other. So it's not always as simple as getting a day job that's boring and you have to deal with it just to get the money to do what you love. Yeah. You know, if you do it the right way, you can actually build a you know a little puzzle that, that helps each other. And that's, well, yeah, it, it, be- yeah. it becomes your unique story. And, um, exactly. Yeah, and, and you build up these. I, I think I'd probably define it as character building when you have these different string, strings to your bow. And I've worked... Similar, it's, it's mirroring what you're describing. I've had different roles over the years that have not always been in design. But now when I look back, um, for example, one of the um, roles was uh, in telesales. So I was on the phone. I ended up leading a team of, of salespeople. But the, the skills that that taught me now translate so well when I'm you know speaking with clients or perhaps dealing, yeah dealing with a small team so they just kind of follow you around these things it's um it's never look on anything as a bad opportunity how's, how's oh, I, that? I agree I agree completely and it's that's why it's so interesting to speak with you as a branding expert because I think that plays a big part in it uh, with being a musician or a business person, whatever it is these days with social media is people become very fascinated with your entire brand as mm. a person, which allows for these different layers. You know, it's not as simple as listening to a track that they found or buying a CD and that's their starting point. You don't know where their starting point will be. And you really have a lot of different platforms where you can tell your story. Story. And it also gets a little bit intimidating as well that your brand becomes closer and closer to who you are, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. But I know, and well, we're opening a can of worms on that one, but we'll we'll, we'll go into that at some <laughs> point, I'm sure. Um, some of the th- the facts that I was picking out um, that I thought that would be really interesting, or well, I did find interesting. Um, you've taught chemistry in Sweden. You've designed. <laughs> You've designed apps in Finland, um, launched various sideline businesses to help you with some of these passion projects like your music. Mm-hmm. Have, do any of them stand out so far as like, wow, that was a you know really cool thing to have done? Or are they just all one big fun thing? Has any of them really stood out to you? Well, I mean, it, it really ties into what you were saying a moment ago, which is that everything is a character building experience. So I don't know what which things were more helpful, the things that I enjoyed and the things where I felt like I was in the right place or the things where there were the opposite. Um, because when I first moved to Scandinavia, it was a, a very big cultural difference. I underestimated at that time um, how big of a, a cultural difference that would be. And I would say that it's it's a quite a left brain culture, if you want to put it that way. But it was yeah. amazing because it gave me a lot of the skills to to later go on and do the music. So in general, I can think of a few things that would fall into the category of being very challenging, you know, and, and really, really pushing me. And, and they didn't always feel good at the time because it might have been a very big jump. But those were some of the things that made the biggest difference. And, and it's interesting. I remember teaching chemistry in Sweden and I, the job itself just, um, it didn't impact me the way some did later in terms of enjoyment. But I think that's when I actually grew the most as a person. And it also pushed me to, to go out into the music scene. But I would say musician working for that app was the first job I ever had where everything from looking at the job description, I just thought this is describing me. It was so specific and it was so unusual. And the amount that I learned during that period, it was it was incredible. And I, I take all of those things with me in everything I do now. The things I learned with that specific world, with the musician team, with the startup mentality, you know, the lean methodologies, and also just the Finnish culture. You know, there's a lot to be learned there. So that's probably the one standout, the first one that I encountered. Yeah, and I, I had a quick look at it um, in passing there. And, and that app is still going, right? I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but it's something that... Did you help set up? Are you, you like a founder as a part of that? Sure. So I was... Um, I was living in Sweden, so not too far away at the time, because um, they're based in Finland, and they had a guitar app. Um, so they had musician for guitar, and it was kind of inspired by that guitar hero type of um, user interface, where you know you're hitting a note at the right time, and you're getting yeah. some kind of gamified reward. And they had a very impressive R and D team um, that allowed that evaluation to happen successfully with no cables, and it was designed by professional educators. But at the time, they only had guitar. 
and they knew that they wanted to branch out into a new instrument and they decided that piano would be the next one. So I was hired as the education designer for piano and ultimately led that project and we had to make a lot of decisions about you know, what the user interface should be. Um, and just a lot of questions that came up about in terms of market research, because people think so differently about piano and guitar instruction. Um, it was crazy, you know, because people aren't used to seeing learning the piano as something that can be casual and that can be gamified and that can be simple. And it was hard to get people to shift away from sheet music. But So there were all kinds of interesting challenges, but I was, um, I think, the 22nd member of the team at the time. And That's the only good, woman good at, team at the then. time. Yeah. Yes, it was. And now, now they're into the, I think last time I heard it was 150 and they may have grown since then. They now have five instruments. And when I left, um, they had 8 million monthly active users and the piano had 1 million and was the most popular piano learning app at the time. And I'm sure they've only, you know, they had other people take over after I left and very talented people. And I'm sure that they've managed to, to grow those numbers further. But um, it's a company with a great mission statement who really fascinating meeting point between creativity and all the things that technology has to offer to support it. Absolutely. I mean, to being involved with that as well, just from a music standpoint, um, no wonder you were sort of reading the description thinking this there's a lot of values that I can, you know, see resonating with with what you do. So absolutely, it's like I'm kind of just trying to build up a picture in my head of I'm kind of seeing Leah the musician and Leah the <laughs> business person. <laughs> Is there like two sides to you in that sense? It's funny that you ask that. I mean, I was raised in an entrepreneur family. My mom had um It's kind of funny because my mom was the one who had a, a family business centered around music, but she was much more of a business person by nature. So she was working in music, but she was very business minded. And then my dad was a singer songwriter, but he was the one with the corporate job. So he was kind of like a musician personality, but working in a different field. So I was around it from a young age and I was never, um, I never felt like a stereotypical musician. And I got a lot of, um, flack in the music industry that I was a little bit too analytical or too serious or too, you know, like I just think of things very systematically or I try to be very efficient. Um, so yeah, there's times when they, when they overlap in interesting ways. And then there's times where it's just nice to have them separate too. So I think you're right that even though they do, um, you know, affect each other, I see myself as having a business person side. And then I have the person I am on stage, which is when I'm sure you feel that way with art too, when you've done all the preparation and when you've done all the business right, then when you're doing your art, you just get to enjoy it. You're there and then you really get to let out that artist. Yeah, I do. And for me, um, I realized that the art for me was a, a, a sense of escapism really. And that I wanted to keep that feeling rather than turn it into a business. Um, I wanted it to stay there as a very, as very much a passion thing mm -hmm, to do. Um, you know, not necessarily be tied to a deadline or be asked to draw something specific. I'll draw when I'm kind of ready to draw and whatever I want to draw. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, I guess, I guess my question I wanted to ask was when, like, say you're in a, a social situation and somebody says, um, what do you do, Leah? You know, how do you answer that question? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it depends a lot on the audience who I'm, who I'm speaking with. Um, but I'm in a nice position now where the company that I work for by day is they believe in well-rounded approaches to employee lives. So I've had times in the past where I feel like I almost need to hide yeah. the two careers from each other. Um, but now the answer becomes more, more, you know, the same, whoever I'm speaking with. But um, yeah, I mean, the music has always been a big part of my identity. And the Instagram sort of um, grew quite a bit um, just a few years ago, unexpectedly. So it's very easy to make that who you are. And it is. Um, but I try to always pull back a little bit and just see myself as like like the beginning of our conversation here you know to always see myself as a personal person to begin with um so if someone answers it really just depends on what they're looking for what kind of context i'm kind of proud of what i've gotten into recently with the communications world that's centered around sustainability 
because, um, you know, when I first studied science, I thought of going into medicine and I didn't have a lot of passion behind it when I first studied science or when I was teaching it, to be honest. But now that it's more in sustainability, it excites me, you know, to know that you can go into a company and add some kind of positive value and support the environment. So, you know, even yeah. though it's a corporate job, I'm happy to talk about that. But yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. It is. I, and there's a lot of different little side projects, too. So I don't really get into it too much unless someone asks, you know, but yeah. No, I don't know I, if that I, makes sense. But. It does. It does. Because <laughs> it now makes sense where the chemistry side comes in. Because originally, mm. I mean, you kind of preform these views in your own mind without talking to somebody. And so I was like, well, how on earth does somebody who's a very talented musician teach chemistry but of course now you've explained it you did it you know you did it at school and and that was so was that nearly a route that you went down was at this point in i don't know school or college where it was like a defining moment of i'm gonna go this way or that way no it was it should have been but the music force was just too strong in the end but I think what happened was I went to an arts high school and I've been doing music since I was little and everyone just assumed I would do music and there's there's all kinds of um, assumptions that come along with being a musician. You know, some people, most, most times these days people will recognize that there are a lot of people with diverse interests and diverse skills, but sometimes people look at a musician and they assume one thing. And I, I think at that particular time at age 17, I just wanted to prove that I could do something different. And I was dating a guy at the time whose parents were pushing him into science. And I went and I did it and I did it for a few years and I wanted to do medicine. So it was very competitive. Um, but I realized at one point that you can't compete with someone that loves what they do because I would study for 12 hours a day, whatever it was. And then I would go to the piano to unwind because I needed to unwind from all the science studying. And then there'd be people in my class who would go home after that and read science magazines for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember feeling frustrated because I'm like, how, you know, I thought we did our thing. How are you still beating me? How are you still? But that's what happens when you, when you do what you love. And there's a lot of ways do what you love you know like for you around art you don't have to be a visual artist full-time but you could have with science at some point is I would always be tired and I would always be a little frustrated and a little bit behind because the passion like the real passion wasn't there yeah. so I ended up uh, applying to Berkeley in Boston and said if I get in I'm meant to do music and if I don't I'll finish the science and that was sort of when it changed to the other direction fantastic and when you were, to <laughs> when you were talking there about um you know what they do in their, their relaxation time i've recently been watching the queen's gambit on netflix i don't know if you've delved into that series it seems like it's very popular but i haven't checked it out yet we're, we're definitely going to though yeah the, it's worth i mean i, I enjoyed it I, I played i know how to play chess but i'm not you know a good player but um they just they they live breathe everything's chess mm -hmm. so when they're relaxing they're playing chess and when they're having fun they're playing chess because exactly. it, <laughs> it is just chess 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 chess, chess. but mm -hmm. it sounds to explain it like that it actually sounds like a boring um series but we just kept got drawn into it um mm -hmm. but yeah I'll like coming back, yeah coming back to what the topic was there was that if you find once you're in your passion in your groove then it's not a job it's not a task you're just kind of home dry aren't you almost it's like this is me exactly Absolutely. exactly and and that's what where the music has been going which is nice you know once you learn to take the pressure off a little bit or even to be able to do the business side and the art and find a way in your mind to compartmentalize them a little bit even though you're doing both because I found that I, I can work a full-time job and then come home and still do music for 25 hours a week on top of that and it doesn't drain me and it's it doesn't drain me when it's happening the right way um, mm -hmm. so it's something that I feel is like almost like an infinite resource <laughs> that's never going to run out because it's it is what i love so you mentioned that there was a turning point when it came to um the instagram side of things and it, i know you've got a large number of followers i mean it's a hundred thousand plus at the moment what was that turning point tell me a little bit about that I mean, the funniest thing is, so I, I didn't have any following, you know, when I was in Sweden, Finland, and then I left Finland and my mom's originally from Dublin. She's born and raised there. 
And so I figured before I head back to North America, I'll just, um, you know, drop by Ireland for two weeks, see my Nana. And then two weeks turned into a year. And this little kind of tour I did of Europe was I was based at my Nana's house. But the funny thing was I had no Instagram followers and I used to contact my friends because I would get zero likes on everything. And I'd say, could you please just give me one like? <laughs> and I, I was never a natural social media person. And I, I'm not the type to take pictures of myself at an event. I think it kind of ruins the you know, the, the energy of what you're experiencing. But I hit a point where I remember I used to journal a lot at the time and I wrote down my five top stressors. And the first one was social media anxiety. And I thought, what is social media anxiety? It just came out. And I realized there was just a lot of frustration around feeling like um, social media is such an important validation as a musician. So I thought, I either have to drop it because it's stressing me out or I need to just give it one last chance and see what I can do. So I looked up the best practices and this is where the branding was a huge part of it because I was thinking, how do I brand myself? What's going to make me different? And at some point I, I discovered the term digital nomad. Someone mentioned it to me and that was the red thread that I needed because I was a musician. I was traveling. I had my tech background the quirk. And that was sort of my light that went on. I could see then very clearly how I could brand myself in just a few words and how I could always tie things together, have a post about music, have a post about travel, have a post about musician or the tech world. And I also hired a company um, that my friend had used because he had 2000 followers and I thought that was insane. And I wanted to get to 2000 followers by the end of the year. So I said, mm -hmm. well, that's a good number. I'll hire this company. And then it was, it ended up growing to 10,000 followers a month. But it was very strange because uh, I was never someone who was natural with that. So I think the clarity of the brand really helped and just committing to doing it. And just the fact that I was doing unusual things at the time, traveling. So that's how yeah. it grew. Yeah. I also <laughs> was going to just add in that sometimes with social media, um, that there is this or people have a tendency to have a, a social facade that is there for social media, whereas what we really want to see is behind that facade. So if you were saying or describing yourself as not being good at social media, that's kind of what everybody wants. Yes, yes. And I think what made it very interesting was what I loved about working at Musician was they were very real. And they had the, um, you know, the whole lean startup approach where you'd create an MVP. So we would create these videos, like our first version of tutorial videos would be very low key, you know, like, and they we didn't know that they'd reach millions of people. But I remember recording the first batch of tutorial videos for the app when my hair was kind of messy and they weren't perfect. And then you got used to putting this content out to very large groups of people that was not perfect. And they just had a very relaxed mindset about being very transparent with people. And I think that helped with the social media because I wasn't coming from the world of, um, not that there's anything wrong with, with duck faces or whatever, you know, makeup <laughs> tutorials. I just, I was coming from working at a startup with 25 Finnish guys, yeah. you know, and just very organic. And I was just very honest with social media and I remember doing it very honestly all the way up to New York and even like crying on live videos when I was just I'd been hustling so hard and I was so tired or like going to Paris on Valentine's Day alone thinking it would be an empowering thing and then just get <laughs> made fun of by all the French people but I, I put it all on there you know I didn't I didn't um, censor it and at the time I didn't have a full-time job to worry about you know what are people from work going to think I just said whatever I wanted to I was totally free um, yeah. And then when I got a corporate job, I felt a little bit more like maybe I shouldn't say everything, but <laughs> but I think the honesty really helped. Yeah, and I bet it felt quite liberating as well because it did. Yeah, really, I think what you were probably discovering or uncovering was is that personal brand um, that do you have? Would you agree? I do, and I think um, it sounds sounds sad, but I was traveling. I traveled the world for two hours completely alone, or two years, sorry, completely alone. And so I was based with my Nana when I was in Dublin, but I didn't really have any friends in Ireland, especially at first. And I just traveled for two straight years, and I was trying to do the digital nomad thing. And there was one point where for an entire year, I didn't spend longer than two weeks in one city. And so I was actually just very lonely. So going on Instagram was 
my it was it was my friends you know it was a way to connect with people and i think yes that it, it really solidified the brand because people wanted to to hear that real side of it and you learned the types of conversation topics that people connected with and learned how many people are struggling with their own identity as an artist or their own careers or their own balance or how many people want to follow their dreams and it was very simple at the time you know just people wanted something real and they were excited to follow the the feedback i got the most often was that they appreciated the authenticity you know that it that it wasn't a fake account that it was just a real you know documentation so i think that was the brand was just being real <laughs> which yeah. sounds very simple but but that was it well it is and it it, it reflects ultimately your why which was your digital nomad um mm-hmm. thing at the time i'm quite keen to find out from that brand what items visually so like a visual identity that was out there um when you when these followers started um, you know coming on board on instagram or engaging with your content was it just instagram was there anything else out there we you know in terms of a platform a website what what other stuff was were you able to engage through yeah it's um i had other things out there that were more one-sided where people could go and look if they wanted but i wasn't really engaging there like i had a website uh, the Musician app was an interesting one because I was also in the app as their piano teacher. So if you were using the app, you'd see my face a lot. So I did get occasionally the, someone from the app who would connect on Instagram, but I kind of just limited it to Instagram. And there were times when I started reaching out and doing other platforms, but I found I just couldn't balance it all. And I read up on it a lot and they said, you know, just do what you can. And I know there's a lot of benefits to building other platforms too, which would definitely be one of the next things in terms of strategy. But I mean, I basically just did it all through Instagram, which already felt like a big adjustment because I wasn't someone that was using social media a lot. So I already felt kind of like annoyed that I had to document everything on one platform, but it was really just just that one. Do you feel like... I probably should have branched out. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I wanted to ask if you feel like um, now there's a pressure to have a multitude of different tools um, and platforms and, you know, things that you should have. um, And do you need them, I guess, as a musician? There's a lot of things that feel different now, now that the account is verified and now that it's bigger. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Like, it's, uh, you know, it wasn't easy to keep the engagement rate up with the growth of the, uh, the audience count. So I feel a lot of pressure constantly to analyze the, the analytics and make sure that they're looking good. Um, you know, you always feel like you're a little bit under um, a microscope because you don't want to look like you're a fake account. You don't want to look like, you know, so I, I do feel like there's pressure to do new things. I haven't done them, but the biggest thing for me is trying to get out the most authentic followers and fans and finding ways to really connect with them. Because there's a lot of messages that come in. It's very easy to get to get overwhelmed and to feel like you're, you're drowning in, in all kinds of things. So I've heard of um, a community is one I'd love to try where you can send uplifting messages to people through text. So I try not to get hung up in all the things you're supposed to do but to have a goal that I want to reach. And right now that's to really connect more with the right fans and the people who have taken time out of their day to send me a message or to see how the music is going and really just find those people and connect with them more closely. So that will be the next goal. I never really got into TikTok. Um, I've heard that I should, but I've never really gotten into it. So I have, I do not, I, I do, have so not to answer looked your at question, it. I do feel the pressure, but I don't do it. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I haven't done it, although they say you should. <laughs> well, this is it. They being, I've got no idea, saying you should. And here exactly. you are. <laughs> well, here you are not doing it and perfectly happy um, doing what you do. And I think that's the message I'm just trying to get out is from you whether or not. I find it with business that whether you're speaking with a coach or involved in a, a mastermind group, you're constantly bombarded with messages or um, mm-hmm. being pulled or pushed to try and try a different way of doing something. And yes, a lot of that content is valuable, but it's not necessarily the right way 
for you to go. Yeah. And I also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's a bit of a delay to me to cut you off. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. And really, I'm just trying to... To, to turn that on to the from a musician's perspective um, do you have that same kind of you must do this definitely and I find that with the music industry a lot of it conflicts with itself with a different advice so you really have to be able to ask yourself what you want and the other added challenge with the music business is that with some careers, you know, you can more or less follow these particular steps and you can guarantee some level of success you know, if, if you study very hard and you're accepted into a medical school, you can more or less guarantee that you'll end up as a doctor. You'll be able to pay off your loans. You'll let you, you know, you can kind of, of course, there's a lot of things that could happen, but you could sort of see what direction you're going in where with so much of the music business, it just feels like it's by chance. And the, like in my opinion, some of the people that you have to work with, even if you get those opportunities, you know, it's, it's not, it, it's not a very empowering position to be in so unless you're going to go that route and be willing to put up with a lot and some people have the personality for that and it's not a problem but if you're someone who wants to have a different kind of life it's you're really paving a new path and the technology is changing a lot the business in general just changes constantly you have the shift to spotify which is almost like the new gateway the new label so yes you have to ask yourself everything and some people think they know all the answers or some people went down one road that is no longer applicable or doesn't work unless you're them so i am constantly you know, weeding out a lot of advice and really thinking about what feels right. And it's a business where you relationships matter a lot, which I underestimated when I was younger. So you really need to find the people who think the same way that you do and the people that you can trust and the ones who you enjoy being around because otherwise you could run out of energy. You could run out of passion for what you do. So, I mean, this is coming from someone who's never done it full time. So I've never really taken one foot off of the stable ground to go fully into it. But yeah, to answer your question, it's it's constant. You get, get a lot of information, a lot of feedback. And when I trust my gut, that's when it goes the best. And there have been people who told me I'm crazy for some of the decisions I made, but looking back, they were the right ones for me whenever I trusted my instincts. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, how far did you get before you took your foot off the gas, metaphorically <laughs> speaking? Tell me. Well, I mean... I look at it a little differently. I look at my music career like like it's a startup, you know, I guess a tech startup almost, and you need resources. So that could be an investor, that could be your own time and money, maybe one or the other or a little bit of both. And so I've never really looked at it like not giving my music my all. I've looked at it where my resource is going to come from. You know, okay. if I'm going to be my own investor, I have to, have to make sure that I'm doing that. But I've never really gone all in and it's not something that I'm opposed to doing but I'm waiting for a time when it when it feels right I guess and I'm sure a lot of people with startup businesses could relate to that same concept if you have a full-time job and you have whatever it might be a side business is you know you you need a certain amount of time to build it and to do your thing and then if the moment comes where you feel okay I can get more out of this if I give up my day job you know, and strangely with my music, even though it's such a big part of my life, I've just never hit that point yet. And it never felt right to to hustle and to give up stability. I, I don't know, maybe it's just the timing, you know, the generation we're in, yeah. but I just never saw. Well, actually I did in, in Dublin. That was the first time I had about four months where I didn't have my next remote job yet. And I did it full time and it actually drove me crazy because I'm not used to having that many hours in a day for music. And a lot of the musicians would show up late to meetings. So they were just on a different schedule or you'd be out really, really late and then you'd wake yeah. up at noon. And that's just a different world and some people love it. But yeah. No, I, I know exactly what <laughs> I you mean. That answers your question. It does, it does. I, I think um, <laughs> when you're in a, when you work full time and then all of a sudden, you're in this different industry, like the music side of things. Like you've just said, people turning up late. You've got this different mindset that you're like, well, the meeting was booked at half past 10. What's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're just like, come on, get real. Um, so now I can definitely see why or this kind of, um, it just didn't feel right. And and yeah, I, I, know, I do know what you mean. It, it's similar to the art um, for me but not quite the same. 
Um, well, similar, maybe maybe with the art too. One of the things the Instagram specifically has taught me is that partnerships are a whole other currency. You know, it's not always as simple as just saving up a lot of money and then purchasing what you need or purchasing services. That's the power of relationship building and of just adding value to each other. And I think with a lot of musicians, they might be fixated on either just wanting to focus on their music or these predetermined paths of how you could reach success. And I find if you just connect with people who you can add mutual value and those those relationships have have led to so much more progress for me, you know, than than any other kind of thing. And that's where I think just being open minded rather than saying you got to quit your full time job, you to follow this road and struggle you can you can still just always have an eye open you know for while you're going through this path of different careers of who am I meeting and is this someone that could be a marketing specialist is this someone who could be an investor someone who could be an advisor and then build things that way build a team and just a you know world of context around you that put your head in the right place absolutely no I, I agree on that point 100% um, I actually wanted to ask a little bit of question around um, how things have changed, and I think it'd be focused on the music still, but I am quite, I'm quite drawn to it though. Um, how things have changed within that sector this year, because I read that you just done a virtual show, so I wanted to ask how did that go first of all. Sure. Well, that virtual show was great. Um, Part of the reason is that they handled all the technology. It's a venue that that puts the time in to figuring out how they're going to do all this. And I think that makes a big difference because one of the challenges with virtual shows is really trying to connect to deliver that same amount of emotion. And if you have a technical problem, that's a challenge. But it's nice to see venues doing what they're doing. But um, it's been an interesting year. I find that... um, the best thing is that people are taking a break because sometimes I don't know if that's just because it's New York City but people are always in such a hurry and it's so competitive and it feels like um, the people that you really want to get to know are always in a hurry and they always have a million people around them at their venues or at their shows and this year has been an interesting time for people to just take a step back and I think there's a little bit less of a crowd that's just there because they're there. And now people are starting to build more meaningful relationships because if someone is going to come out to support a venue, even though they don't have the music, but you know, they're still a music venue and they're trying their best. And if you come out and support that builds a relationship, it also puts a lot more power into the musician's hands because people are spending a lot more time online. So it requires a different kind of hustle, but rather than a label or you know cutting out the entire um, performance and touring there's a mm. lot more focus on digital content and the same things that social media promotes it's a bit of a game-changing moment this year because i do think it will open up i mean some people have a, a, a like a doom and gloom attitude to what's happened but if if you have the, the that entrepreneur mindset let's call it there's mm-hmm. so many opportunities that present themselves um, in times of crisis and just even talking about that virtual show and having to put things digitally, you know, go digital with stuff, then all of a sudden you've just got somebody at home, but they're actually engaged in a screen and then there's other things that you could do in that situation. And, you know, my mind just starts to, to, to work over time. So it's not all bad. No, it's really not. And one of the challenges being a musician, I think, is... Um, creating constant content so whatever's standing in your way whether it's the time to sit down and record the videos if you have another job whether it's figuring out your tech setup whether it's learning new music and developing your musicianship these are all things that can be done from home or another another thing is just taking the time to do what you're supposed to do in terms of outreach whether it's to spotify playlists or venues or managers you know a big part of the industry is just making those connections where a lot of people are typically trying to do the same thing. So you're trying to make yourself stand out and mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have the time to think things through and maybe see your own brand with a little more clarity this year because things have slowed down a bit and also to really think, okay, who do I need to connect with to help my music reach more people and to just solidify those things. I mean, once again, I don't know if it's a New Yorker thing, but 
I think the space that has come from this year is an absolute game changer. Just the chance to really stop and think about things. And because everyone is slowing their pace down, you don't have that same level of, of panic, you know, to push and, and compete and just do something to do it. You feel like you can really sit back and say, you know, how do I want to spend this extra time at home? Because there's, as a musician, there's definitely something you can be doing every day, full time if you want to develop your career. Absolutely, and even in, in but, I mean, business. I there are also people who are who financially have challenges, but yeah, Sorry, Dana, go ahead. it's all right. Even in a business, um, the time when you take that time to slow down, or if you have those moments to like catch your breath, so to speak, some of the best ideas happen. And being able yes, to sit down exactly. and pause and look at a situation differently opens. It just opens your mind up because you can get so so blinkered in an approach or so taken with like the momentum of a project that you haven't even seen or considered it from a different angle. Angle. So I feel like there's just so much. Um, people are just reevaluating things left, right, and center. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I learned a lot from specifically musicians, just really asking yourself if you're putting your resources towards the right thing. Because you probably find that you've been doing something for a long time, at least a few elements of your business, and you don't really know why you're doing it anymore <laughs> or if you can't justify yeah. it or if it's not adding value. So that's something as a company that they did often, and I really appreciated it. And they would remove even things that that felt like you can't remove this, <laughs> you know, like something that seemed very, very, because everybody does it. But then you'd think it through and say, well, why are we putting all this time into this? Things like the the quality of those tutorial videos at the beginning, you know, if they, if they serve their purpose and people got what they needed out of it and they liked that it was casual, why would you put a bunch of money into a video budget just to improve it? So we were constantly yeah. checking in to say, you know, and I think musicians can do the same and business people can do the same. You know, if your goal is to to connect with your customers and to leave a lasting impression. Are you really putting your resources into the right things? Definitely. Yeah. It's a good year for that. those questions. 100%. Uh, and I'm definitely finding the more I speak to small business owners or influencers, um, they're on this voyage to, f to find out their own whys and what they're you know striving to achieve themselves so it's definitely been a, a, a year where people you know take stock of what's been going on which has been great it really has I've got a question that I've got a set of Absolutely. questions really that I like to ask um, <laughs> each guest the first okay. one is if you went back 10 years ago and you met yourself <laughs> what would you say to yourself so there you are sat in a, I don't know your favourite bar and what, hello young Leah what, what are you going to say to her <laughs> I, I have a feeling people probably did say this to me and I just wasn't mature enough to get it but I would say something like all of the people who are giving you advice that's all they're giving you is advice and it's helpful and you should take it if it adds value because why not learn but nobody has the answers and nobody knows better than you do because the world is changing no one knows your path you know and, I, and that might be more specific to kind of the millennial generation but and with technology but no one has been through the same path that you're going through you know it, like and, and i remember going to musician and people saying you're going to give up a steady teaching job for a startup you know startups are typically you know they're all over the place they're unstable but it was one of the best choices i made so i still made those choices that felt right but i had a lot of anxiety about them at times yeah. you know and, and i think if i could go back i would say like trust me follow your gut and there's no right answer and as long as you're always moving as long as you're always checking in to make sure that it's the right thing you'll end up happy and i do Love believe it. that I love it and I, I think trusting your gut which is a funny saying but it's true it's like you mm -hmm. you get a feeling don't you yes, about stuff definitely and then there's a lot of in between things where it's it's definitely hard to call them because you don't really get that strong of a feeling and then you're sort of in between but when those yeah. moments come where you get that strong feeling I'm a believer just to always always go with it yeah that's a really good bit of advice um, I think I would say similar um, because you know you just 
you're not here for very long when you actually think about it. And exactly. um, the more experiences you can have, um, the better, I would say. So I, I'm echoing that one as well. I love that, yeah. Um, another question that I wanted to ask um, is really if there was this, what I would call a brand defining moment. So to, to rephrase that, do you think there's a moment when you became the person that you are, if you look back? Yeah, I think one of the questions that I asked myself, which is really important, is what is your mission statement? Um, and that was one of those questions that came in when I was saying, okay, so I'm supposedly an influencer, which is such a funny term to me, but you're an influencer, you're a, you're a person, but you're also treating it like a business. So I thought I should be asking myself all the same questions I would ask if I were a startup. You know, like what are the questions you should definitely be able to answer before you even start, before you could get an investor on board, before you can do anything. And it took so long to figure out what my mission statement would be. And I decided that it was um, to live a creative life and to empower other creative people. And I, that was something that I've kept in mind this entire time, you know, whether it's what I'm doing in my corporate job, whether it's what I'm doing as an individual, because I mean, creativity to me could just be an individual's chance to express themselves. You know, maybe someone's been in a corporate job forever and they've been doing the same things, you know, even not with just business, but what's your passion? You know, like, have you always wanted to do carpentry and this is your chance to do it? So that yeah. that's something I've had in my mind for a while. So that was one. And the second thing uh, was the digital nomad term, like seeing the red thread. And that's just one example of it. But sometimes if things feel disjointed or if you're struggling to get everything in or to make your brand work, I think that's really important is, is taking the time to say, what is the red thread? Because if I'm a one human being that's doing all this, clearly there is a red thread <laughs> or I wouldn't yeah. be doing all these random things. So what is that red thread and how can I communicate that to people? Because even the red thread, even if it's trying to make money, you know, like everyone can relate to that. So how can you take that, whatever your journey is and create an elevator pitch out of it, something authentic and just find that connection so that it makes sense to other people too. Absolutely. No, and I agree because one of the, when I'm trying or speaking to a potential new client, when I want to switch their their mind into uh, like thinking like a brand is how I describe it. There's three questions that I ask them. Um, the first question is, who are you? The second question is, what do you do? And the third question is, why does it matter? And of That's course, a very important question. <laughs> the, the third question is when they go, okay. But what the question opens up um, leads perfectly into, like you're mentioning there, things like a mission statement, or I might call it a positioning statement. It's brand strategy. It's being able to put some thinking behind your your why. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know? Yes. Um, I think so, a lot of musicians um, miss the mark on that just because it's the way you're kind of trained is you spend so much time creating your music and working on your craft and perhaps not enough time asking why does it matter because maybe rather than doing that extra year of music school and becoming that much more educated you could you know spend a year thinking about what the what the audience means and connecting with them because at the yeah. end of the day why do why why does someone need your music even if it's good and then you have these these things that maybe are not as high level academically but they're more human and exactly. those might be the things that take you to that next level well i would say as well that what they give you is they they differentiate you that's what will put you um stand you out in a crowd you'll have Absolutely. taken that time to figure it out and all of a sudden you're not just copying someone else who's become successful you are being you um and becoming successful at being you and that's Absolutely. what brand yeah for Absolutely. me that's what that does yeah. So I like to wrap up an episode by asking a guest <laughs> to choose a boldest brand because we're coming up on, yeah, we're coming up to 55 minutes. So I like to ask if you've got a boldest brand that you would like to feature on this show, who's doing it for you? Someone, something. Sure. So I moved to New York a few years ago and there's something I love about New York because you get these very driven people and you get a lot of things that you see in the movies, you know, like Wall Street or celebrities, and they don't always come across as very approachable before moving here. 
but I love the branding that happens here. It's, it's actually very fun and very casual and very approachable. And so there's a few brands like Street Easy is one. Um, I love what Grubhub and Seamless do too. So you get a lot of this brand storytelling in the subways. And yes, like their logo is nice and their websites are nice and they serve their purpose for UX. And I especially love Street Easy because it's, um, are you familiar with Street Easy, Daniel? I think it's specific to New York. I'm going to Google it as we speak. So, ca- but carry on. Tell me what street. Tell sure. me what street easy is. <laughs> it's just a place where you can look for apartments um, to either buy or to rent. So, something that is is a fundamental thing where you're going to live. And a lot of times, these necessary businesses don't don't really go to the next step with branding, I guess, because they don't have to, or at least when I was growing up, that's how I always felt about them. So I love seeing examples where they do something fun with it. And they have a whole, these advertising campaigns around getting like really steamy, thinking about a dishwasher that works really well. So they have this this humor that they put into what they do. I found the advert, ever have dirty <laughs> thoughts about a dryer on top of a washer. Exactly. <laughs> so I've, I've become fascinated with that because I've never lived in a city like New York before where you have so many people and you have these apps that exist specifically in your city because it's, it's, it's like an own world in itself so and the branding is very targeted in New Yorkers the sense of humor like reading the ads actually taught me about New Yorkers because that's how spot-on they are with their audience and the sense of humor so those are some of the ones that do that really well or they'll um they'll put in um Grubhub will do the same. They'll put in stats about specifically New Yorkers, what they what they spend their money on for food. And so those are two examples that came to mind where when I think of New York branding, I think of them. I love it. And they're actually really nicely illustrated. Um, they look like they're paintings. I haven't zoomed in, but they, are they painted? They look like it. Yeah, I, I think so. So it's, um, and it's, I think that's a very New York thing too, is that um, art artists are such a big part of the identity of this city. So you'll take even yeah something like real estate and they'll include artists in their branding and it's nice. Yeah, and like you've and just just trying to ride the subway and get a laugh to your stories. <laughs> exactly, and like you've just described, you've remembered them and they've delivered an emotion to you um, that resonates, and that's exactly what a brand on a visual identity and a visual engagement that's what you want it to do so i think Definitely. it's a perfect i think it's a perfect <laughs> bonus brand well chosen <laughs> and you know what i would say about those and about being an influencer and a business owner is we live in a world where people are very busy and very tired even this year um and i don't think there's ever wasted energy that goes into a brand that just makes people feel positive makes people laugh gives people a little ease <laughs> you know whether it's traditionally a serious uh, business i think people will always respond to that because something that makes you smile in the middle of the day or just something yeah. you know a color scheme or whatever that lifts you up i, I don't think it'll ever go out of style because <laughs> i've just found another one and it says um the best dormant fantasy is the kind where you actually have one <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you can't explain here, but the visuals are so funny. Like they're kind of old school, very like yeah. provocative. <laughs> yeah, she's like this lady looking over her shoulder at this um, this doorman. And um, yeah, I know what you mean. I can. I, I, I don't even. I've never been to New York, but I mean, I've lived in a city up in um, uh, here in the UK. And when you're in a city, you're so uh, like you don't see anything other than hard surface, generally concrete cars yes. <laughs> and then for something to you need something to just kind of snap you out of it every now and again and yeah exactly yeah, th- make you laugh and make the mundane stuff a little more fun absolutely <laughs> well look i've really enjoyed um chatting to you about to not you. Only, yeah not only your musician side of things but also the the business side of things um the, the entrepreneurial mindset that i definitely think you have um I've really found it an interesting uh, interview. So all I'd like to say is thank you very much for your time today, Leah, and thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to meet you at the conference. And I'm, yeah, I'm very excited and honored to be a part of your show. So thank you for the conversation and hope to stay in touch and listen to all your future episodes too. Awesome. Thank you very much.
so here we are, the end of another episode. I'd just like to say thank you very much for tuning in. It really does mean a lot to me. And if you've been sat listening, pondering your own brand and have decided that perhaps it's not quite as strong as you would like, then why not take my brand strength test? I've designed it to be an indication of just how well your brand is performing. The best thing is it's completely free. So if you hit the links button in the player, that'll then take you through to my Brandscape strength test. There's also a direct link found in the show notes as well. And it'll uncover six core areas of your brand that we will take a look at and decide how well are they performing? Are they performing as well as you want? And could areas be improved? You'll get a customized report that I will deliver one-to-one with you. And that's it. That's all there is to it. So go on, click it. It's free. What are you waiting for? If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review. And the podcast is available to subscribe on all of the major download platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, amongst others. You can follow me on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those are available via my website. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, how do you expect anyone else to be?